Hi, everyone. It is clear that Otto is no longer interested. I mean, he may return to interest, but I, you know what? As he's getting older and he's old for a bulldog, I think he gets a little more ornery. It's a good term. Mm-hmm. So Snoopy, his brother, and they really love each other, unlike most brothers. <laughs> is sitting in today. Snoops, you good doggy. Snoop lives to be petted. There is no limit to the amount of time he could enjoy it. I think I made a boo-boo. I really believe I made a mistake. Uh, Or as the current English term goes, my bad, (laughs) which I've never used in my life, actually. But anyway, here we are. Well, look, there was a dog in there, and I feel I feel a little better. Okay, so I have a very serious opening subject. I'm Dennis Prager, by the way. This is the Fireside Chat, and it is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to just say what's on my mind and then take questions from you uh, from uh, literally all over the world. I saw today we have Japan, South Africa... Norway and Brazil. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. it. That's pretty good. I'd like to remind you that the only way PragerU operates is because people donate money, and they donate a lot of money. Thank God, and that's why we have so so much of a reach aside from the quality of our content. So this is fundraising month, and I'd like you to know that this week, thanks to generous donors, whatever you give is tripled. Give $100, it's $300. You give $10,000, it's $30,000. You give $5, it's $15. Okay? We don't only think in terms of $10,000 gifts, I promise you. It means a lot to us, whatever people give. It's it's, It's a statement that you want us to continue, and everything we do is free, and we're making a difference. So thank you very much. Go to PragerU.com, and it's easy to make a donation there. Thank you. So I asked Jordan Peterson a question when we were together a few months ago, which preoccupies me because I think about good and evil, moral uh, and moral issues all the time and have it's built in. And it's amazing to me how much is built in (laughs) just the way it is. So I said to him, do 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 we ever really know somebody until they're tested? And he, 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 didn't, he didn't even think. He just said, no. And I was, I was, so I was really bouncing an idea off him. And I want you to think about that. Do you really know you until you're tested? That's a very interesting question. So if we don't know others really until they're tested, then there's no reason to think we would know us until we're tested. So here's, a, here's another question that came up in my Dennis and Julie podcast. Uh, I, I wondered, is everybody tested? Or does it just, it, it happens you know, Charles Krauthammer, who is no longer with us, he was a great American columnist, writer, commentator. And when he was in medical school, he had a diving accident. 
he he was a real studly guy and he he dived into a pool at Harvard Medical School. It was too shallow and crushed the, the, the upper part of his spine. Anyway, he became paralyzed largely from the neck down. That's a test. How do you react to that? You're a stud one day and then a minute later you're a quadriplegic. That's a test. And by the way, he passed with flying colors. He graduated with his class. He didn't even fall behind while in the hospital and unable to turn pages in a book. So that's an obvious test. So the question therefore is, are most of us, are all of us tested? Uh, most of us will, will not have an accident and have such a severe and severely terrible reaction. But I, I, I would argue that everyone is tested. It may not be as dramatic as becoming a quadriplegic, but I would argue that everyone is tested and not just once. So here's a test. You won't, you, it'll, it'll bother some of you. I'm not saying it to bother any of you, but I recognize that it might. And, and so be it. How you react to the following subject that, has divided American society and will probably divide others as well, is a test. Can a biological woman compete in women's sports? Because he says that he is a woman. Or even if you want to say she says she is a woman, it doesn't matter to me. It's a biological male. The whole reason there is women's sports and men's sports is that men have a competitive edge. If they didn't, there wouldn't be two sports. W women's tennis, men's tennis, women's weightlifting, men's weightlifting, women's basketball, men's basketball, everything. We don't have women's medical exams and men's medical exams because intellectually they have equivalent brains. But physically, males have an advantage in any physical sport. By physical sport, I think you know what I mean. Uh, chess, I don't I guess you wouldn't say it's a sport in any event, but obviously uh, there, I don't think that that is divided by men and women. I believe that that is a test. What does it test, your attitude? The, it tests the following. First, are you willing to go against the tide, to swim against the tide, to go against public opinion. So it's there's no question it's a test of courage. It takes no courage to say, oh, uh, give trans women their rights, let them, uh, let them swim with uh, other swimmers, uh, with female swimmers and so on. It doesn't take much courage, certainly not at this time, and certainly not in the United States of America. So one test of it is that. Another test is common sense. It violates common sense to argue that men and women should have different teams in, uh, in swimming, 
But if a man says he's a woman, he's allowed to cross over and, and compete against women. And then, as in the case of someone named Leah Thomas at the University of Pennsylvania swim team, win all of these championships and deprive biological women of the chance to be number one and get a scholarship, perhaps, or, 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 or something, some other form of reward for being number one. So it's a test of your, uh, of your courage. It's a test of your common sense. Those are two big tests. And J.K. Rowling, the, who's writ, wrote the phenomenally successful author, I think the most, the, I think the wealthiest author just from books in living, yeah. uh, it, she has taken the road of courage and common sense. And she has lost a lot of, of lot of support. I'll give you an example that I learned again on the Dennis and Julie podcast. Julie, had, uh, uh, the la last year, graduated from Harvard. And she lear just learned from some friends who were still there that uh, there was going to be a, a Harry Potter Halloween themed party. And some of them said, no, we can't do that because J.K. Rowling is transphobic. A transphobic, you're a transphobe, you're a hater of trans people if you uh, simply say there are two sexes uh, and that it's fixed. She didn't say maltreat anybody, but it doesn't matter. Just denying that a man can become a woman or a woman can become a man or even just saying that a trans a woman cannot compete against women in sports, and that renders you outside the circle of acceptability in our culture. They actually dropped the Halloween Harry Potter party, and to the best of her knowledge, it was virtually unanimous. To go against the group takes courage. That's a test. And it's not deniable. It's not a test to go along with the majority. It's a test to go against the majority. By the way, you might say, yeah, but there are people who go against the majority and they're wrong. That is entirely right. That could happen. But if you are not wrong, it is a test to go against the majority. Now, if you are, I mean, if you advocate some terrible thing, and you're going against the majority, you know, I, I, I advocate mass murder and then name a group, some ethnic, religious, or, or racial groups. I, I, that, admittedly, you're going against the majority, but you, you have certainly failed the test of reason and the, and the test of decency. I only raise this issue to point out that there are tests of everyone on a regular basis. Now, sometimes, like the era in which we now live, the tests are greater than at other times. That is true. In easy times, there are fewer tests than in tough or, or what I would call a dark time in, in which we are living. The, the real of the two, courage and reason, they're both necessary. But courage is the, the absolute minimum to pass the tests of life.
And my, th- I, I know I've spoken here about courage. I want to remind you of my theory about how you can become courageous. It's like my theory on virtually everything else in life. Just do it. It sounds counterintuitive. How, if, I'm, if I'm not courageous, I just act courageous? Yes, that's right. Everything is how you behave in life. It is not how you feel. Everybody thinks that they have good motives. Everybody thinks they have a good heart. They're well-intentioned. So you can only judge people by their behavior. And and certain behaviors certainly do take uh, more courage than others. So again, everyone is tested. And at certain eras, more than at others, but it could be in the micro realm, like Charles Cranhammer's accident that rendered him quadriplegic, or it could be in the macro or social realm, going against the majority for what is right, obviously. Okay, let's go to your questions. So, I just want to repeat, because I wanted to touch your life. I, I want you to think... Are you passing the tests? And you can't deny that they exist. If you deny they exist, you're not passing. <laughs> okay, here we go. Hello, Mr. Prager. My name is Vinicius. I'm 22, and I'm a Prager Forest member from Brazil. Well, it's crystal clear that both in Brazil and the US, and perhaps even all around the world, one ideology is literally monopolizing the conversation holding out the point to impose its own ideas and never censor the ones that may differ. So my question is, how can young conservatives, who might be leaning to pursue careers as the artistic industry, for example, get to enter those spaces and make their voice heard amongst that sea of intolerance and censorship? Thank you for answering, Mr. Prager. All right. So since it wasn't fully clear because of the transmission and the accent, so basically... Uh, what he's asking is, look, there, there's all this uh, censorship and the Im- imposing of, uh, uh, of a monopoly ideology. How do you enter spaces of work, for example, and make your voice heard amongst all that intolerance and censorship? Well, I, I look, <laughs> it's, it's rare that I don't know at all if my answer will be helpful. <laughs> I always try for helpful answers, and they usually are, I believe. Since I don't know the specifics of, of the case, you're, and I assume it has to do with you, I can only say that the answer, like everything else in my, in my life and in, in hearing all these questions about anything, is do it. If the question is how, there, that is not the question. It is whether, it is if, if you speak up. So obviously you speak up in social media, you speak up uh, in class, or you speak up at a meeting. That is that is how, what, is, what did you say? How did you get your voice heard? Yes, your voice isn't heard if you don't use it. That, that's what people have to understand. In the Western world today, far more than gays, conservatives are in the closet. 
That's the group most in the closet in the, in the whole Western world. Because they're afraid of what will happen to them if they step out of the closet. And I understand that. It, 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 sometimes that fear is, in fact, quite valid. But that's another example of a test, isn't it? All right, Naomi, 15 years old, Bremerton, Washington, USA. Hello, Mr. Prager. How do you combat your lazy nature? Well, you're clearly a regular listener because I have noted on a number of occasions that my father, well, I don't know if I noted about my father. I just may have noted that I have a lazy nature, but my father knew it. And he regularly said to me that I'm lazy And I remember his rather difficult line to hear. He would say, Dennis will, let's see, walk if he he doesn't have to run, will stand if he doesn't have to walk, will sit if he doesn't have to stand, and will lie down if he doesn't have to sit. Which was uh, somewhat demeaning, I will admit. And I want to talk to you about that in a moment. But I remember, and this was a, a gift to, my, to me. My nature has generally been a gift. Whenever I was insulted, and by the way, that is true to this day, the insults didn't bother me as much as the question Is the insult accurate? By the way, that is a great attitude to have if you can do it. Instead of getting crushed by the insult, you can actually rise eventually by asking, is there any merit to what was said? Now, that that takes a certain type of nature, but if you don't have that nature, you could still do it. Clearly, we aren't prisoners of our nature. We're, let's put it this way, we are in a room, but the door is not locked. That, that's the way I would put human nature. It puts you in a certain room, but the door isn't locked. So I'll tell you what I did to overcome my lazy nature. I took upon myself from a very early age, but not high school, I took upon myself project after project that I could not avoid. I I was either contractually bound to it or I was morally bound to it. And that's, that's it. So again, like everything else, how did I become unlazy? By working hard. And I'm still lazy. (laughs) But so what? So what? Now, I, I make sure, I mean, I still give in to that part of my nature, which is part of the reason I think I have so much energy exactly the same amount today as I had when I was 25. And I know that because I, I, I'm me. I know me at 25. There is no difference internally, none. In fact, I do much more today than I did at 25. I, I will be going uh, in, in in two months. I will be going to Europe three times and back to Los Angeles three times in a month. <laughs> to Poland, let's see. The first time will be uh, which is the first oh, hung, uh, but uh, Hungary, 
then uh, then Germany, then Poland, and back each time. And it doesn't doesn't matter to me. So, but anyway, I've taken on I've taken on all these writing assignments and my column every week and my talk show every day, and the po- and this and the Dennis and Julie podcast. I mean, I have a, I have a lot that I do, but I also make sure to fool around, so to speak, every day. And I have so many hobbies that take up my time, and uh, that really does give in to my sort of lazy nature by enabling me or forcing me uh, to also take time off every day. Uh, I think a daily vacation is more important than a two-week vacation once a year. So it's a fun subject to, uh, to address one day about taking vacations. Okay, next. Austin in his 20s in Austin, Texas. Really? Austin of Austin. That's cool. I watched the Father's Day episode of PragerU Kids. They went back in time to visit the great dads in history. Who the heck picked Abraham as one of the best fathers? The dude was literally about to murder his own son in the Bible. His kid could get him a Father's Day mug that says, Best dad, except for that time you tried to stab me to death. I don't think they thought that one through. Okay, so for those of you not familiar, and unfortunately plenty of people are not, Abraham was about to sacrifice his son Isaac when an angel came from heaven and told him not to. So in my Bible commentary in Genesis, where this is from, I explain at length what is going on, and in a nutshell, the key to understanding the story is the first sentence of chapter 22, where this takes place. And God tested Abraham. Perfect theme, huh? And that's the Hebrew. The Hebrew is tested. Perfect. Who would have known that it would it would be such a perfect thing? So he says, take, take your son whom you love, take Isaac and sacrifice him uh, uh, on, a, you know, what is it? And put him, put him down for a sacrifice or raise him for a sacrifice. So why, why would Abraham say yes? And what was the test? So here was the test. Human sacrifice, child sacrifice was almost universal. Virtually every society we have archaeological evidence for had child sacrifice. The first book in history to ban child sacrifice, to say that the God of that society was opposed to it, was the Hebrew Bible. The God who said no child sacrifice, it's an abomination, is the God who tested Abraham, would you sacrifice your son? Basically, God was saying this. These pagans with their false gods will sacrifice their child to that false god. Would you sacrifice your child to the real God? But remember, the first verse of the whole chapter is God tested Abraham. God had no intention of his doing it. And as far as Abraham was concerned, that was completely normal. That's what parents did. 
it wasn't like, what? What are you asking me? Some weird thing. Because everybody around him did it. It, it, would, it was like slavery. Uh, Aristotle, one of the great moral thinkers in history, thought slavery was completely normal. Because in Greek society and every other society, that's, that was the norm. Some people were slaves. Some people were owners. Just like some people are taught, tall and some people are short. It was just a given. So he didn't even know that what he was doing was wrong, especially since he did believe in the God of the the world, the God who spoke to him. He was the first monotheist. That's all it is. Are, Are you prepared to sacrifice to the real God like the people who believe? It was a test of his faith. It's true. I want to know if you really know that I am God. But as soon as he was ready to sacrifice Isaac, by the way, Isaac didn't complain, or at least we have no record of it in, in the biblical text. He didn't say, what are, what are you doing this for? Maybe I'm sure he wasn't happy, but at the same time, that was normal for him too. And by the way, we're not in very, very, it's amazing how the whole thing is tying the concept of test and now the concept of, of what is being done, what's called gender care, where, where there's this girl that I was just reporting at 13, she had her breasts removed at the at Kaiser Permanente, the, the American health group. And, and they, they, the girl had mental problems, obviously. You're, you're, you, you have mental problems if you think at 13 you're the other sex. I mean, to, to deny that uh, is, again, to enter the realm of the absurd. And it's not said as condemnation. It's said as, in fact, as as compassion and they they actually removed her breast she is suing kaiser permanente for taking her breasts off after 90 minutes of consultation 90 minutes what she should have had was was a, a whole group of adults saying look you're a boy you're 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 uh, you're a girl and you you don't want to mutilate yourself you're a girl you're a girl you have other issues going on in your life this is not your issue so she's now suing them and she's right to do so but we're not in a good position to condemn child sacrifice when we have all of what we are doing to children today with hormone blockers and, uh, and uh, genit- genital castration in, in the case of boys saying they're girls and uh, breast removal in the case of healthy girls. So it's a, a little perspective would be very helpful here. Okay, anyway, I'm glad you asked it. By the way, uh, remember, Abraham, the same Abraham, argued on behalf of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. He thought it was not just to kill all these people if there were 10 good people there, or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, certainly. But he didn't argue when God said to him, take your child and sacrifice him, because that was a moral norm. Okay. Boy, isn't that funny? That's what the next question's about. David, 23 years old, Newtown, Connecticut. Since 2021, there has been a growing number of states that are banning transgender medical treatment for children under 18. Do you think that's a good idea? Why or why not? And if you think it's a good idea, do you think 18 is the appropriate age? Thank you and God bless. It is amazing if you're 15 years old, 16, 17 years old, you can't smoke a cigarette. 
I don't think you could smoke till 21, right? You can't make the, the choice to smoke a cigarette. You can't make the choice to have a drink of alcohol. You can't enter a bar and be served a, a drink if you're under 18 and in some states under 21. But you can decide, I, I want my testicles cut off. I, I, I want my breasts cut off. That you can decide? I would much sooner have kids decide on drinking than on having their bodies permanently changed like that. I'll have some hormone blockers, please. But of course, I, I, can't, I can't have a beer. That's a sick society. That's all it is. It's sick. And we are. This is very distressing for me to say this about my beloved America. It's sick. You can't have a beer, but you can have a hormone blocker. That's, that's, uh, that's really something. This is hilarious. We have one elderly person asking a question. It's one line. Byron, 75, McElhaney, Florida. Did you ever sing in a choir? Well, in fact, I did not. God gave me a really fine speaking voice, and he basically... Uh, limited it to speaking. I can sing. I mean, I could. I could carry a tune. Uh, I. 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 I sing on key. <laughs> uh, but uh, nobody has really ever asked me to join a choir. <laughs> the truth. I, I, the truth is, I'm not sure I would be a very good candidate. Aside from the, my voice, I would horse around too much in my section. I, I would probably like tap a guy on a shoulder and he wouldn't know who tapped him and he'd be looking around while he's supposed to be singing. Did you ever do that? That thing where you tap the you, girls don't do that. Did, did, did you do that? Yeah, you, you're giving me thumbs up. Her dad is here. And, and uh, it, 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 I had more fun doing that in high school than almost anything else. Uh, what's, our, what's our timing? We're, we're there. All right, so what, we got Norway and South Africa and Kansas coming up. Good. Well, this was a very uh, lively and good one. What number is this? 181. 181? Yeah. No. Aren't we two oh, something? 281. Oh, my God. See, that, that was, was a testing. That's right. That was a test. <laughs> and I almost flunked. Just for the record. 181, that sounds a bit odd. 281 is very different from 181. That's two years more. 281, we should do something on the 300th. Definitely. Yes. We did, we I, I think I should interview uh, Otto. Yeah. Yes. That, I think that would be far more Maybe a Maybe I'll have a cigar. But they don't allow that. But if what if I had hormone blockers? <laughs> Yeah. You, do you know, folks, I began, I don't know, the, like the first 30, I smoked a cigar. You did, yeah. And, and, then, and then YouTube said, we won't, we won't have you. Facebook? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can't have you on. Isn't that, it's, it's really sick. Average. They can't watch an adult smoke a cigar, but they can take hormone blockers. Just remember my old rule, if you want to know who's telling the truth and who isn't, the ones who censor are almost always the ones who aren't telling the truth. The truth tellers allow dissent. The liars don't. It's an important little rule. Okay, everyone have a wonderful week till the next time.
I'm Dennis Prager. There's nobody there. Thanks for watching. Thank you for watching this video. To keep PragerU videos free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation.